My brothers and sisters, before election day on the 3rd of this November, you can expect some homilies and bulletin stuffers on the important issue of voting. To begin with in this homily, I'd like to help us start thinking about politics from a Christian perspective. In particular, I'd like to emphasize the theme of depolarization. We live in a very polarized landscape in America. How can we as Catholics begin to depolarize things a bit? More so than ever before, we Americans have let politics divide us. I saw some statistics recently that detailed the opinions of Americans of various political persuasions over the past 30 years. And it started back in 1990, and they asked the question uh, to uh, Republicans, and they said to the Republicans, do you think that Democrats are terrible people? And 50% of the Republicans said, yes, I think Democrats are terrible people. And they asked the Democrats, and they said, do you think Republicans are terrible people? And 50% of the Democrats said, yes, I think they're terrible people. And uh, so that same question was asked over the course of 30 years. In 2020, that same question uh, garnered a response of 90% from both sides. 90% of Republicans think Democrats are terrible people. And 90% of Democrats think Republicans are terrible people. What is going on here? This attitude is not Christian. More than ever before, it seems like politics have become an opportunity for us to call each other names, to demonize others, and to foster in our hearts anger, enmity, and even hatred. But what do we learn from today's gospel? The main point, of course, in today's gospel is about forgiveness. However, it interestingly enough begins and ends with the key word, brother. We must forgive each other because we are brothers and sisters. And then, of course, our first reading is very relevant to this theme. Syrac says, Could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord. Remember your last days. Set enmity aside. Think of the commandments. Hate not your neighbor. My friends, regardless of our political views, we're all Americans. We all share the same civic space. And in this space, there's no room for enmity and hatred. My fellow citizen is not a political abstraction an impersonal object that I can insult or dismiss, maybe from behind the comfort of a computer screen. My fellow citizen is a person made in God's image, worthy of my respect and even my love. And that's the true Christian perspective that we need to have on these matters, and we can't ever forget it. As Catholics in particular, my brothers and sisters, we're in a great position to model for our fellow citizens respectful political dialogue and cooperation. Catholic political thought is deeply moral, and yet it's very flexible and it's very practical. It's theoretically rich, nuanced, and logically consistent. It can't be reduced to the views of any one political party, and yet it can embrace the good that's found in each political party while filtering out the bad. 
The Catholic perspective, therefore, rises above the division and fighting and can function as a positive force for civil discourse and national unity. We Catholics believe in the inherent dignity of the individual person. This dignity does not depend on whether the person is inside the womb or outside it, old or young, sick or healthy, disabled or able-bodied. This dignity does not depend on what side of our national border the person was born on, what neighborhood they grew up in, the color of their skin, their language, or their socioeconomic status. We believe, moreover, that the individual is not just an individual, but also someone who belongs, belongs to a family. To the extent that fortune allows for it, everyone has the right to be raised by a mother and a father within the context of marriage. The essence of marriage arises from the nature of things and cannot be redefined by the state. The good that marriage and the family contribute to the individual is unique and extensive and cannot be substituted for by any governmental or educational program. And yet we believe that the family is not an island unto itself. It does not have all the resources within itself to allow for the full flourishing of its individual members. The individual human person is inherently social, and his good depends not just upon the family, but also upon society as a whole, and on the goods of fortune. The sum total of economic and social conditions that allow people to reach their full potential is what we Catholics call the common good. While the family and local communities make irreplaceable contributions to the common good, there are also contributions to the common good that can only be made by larger forms of social organization. This is so because we are radically interdependent upon each other, even at the national and even at the international level. And of course, our recent dealings with COVID and this pandemic really bears that out. Some little thing happens on the other side of the world and it affects the entire world. So we're members not just of a nuclear family, but we're members of a worldwide global family. And so considering all these truths, what ought our civic duties to be? As intelligent and free personal agents, we must take responsibility for the moral decisions that we make and for our individual pursuit of happiness. As members of families, we must respect our elders, protect the unborn, care for our children, live chastely, and promote the natural institution of marriage. Parents have a moral obligation to make sure their children get an education, and this obligation takes precedence over any role that the state may play in education. Therefore, we must fight for school choice, for the rights of parents to freely choose their children's educational venue. And yet, we're not just individuals, and we're not just members of families. We're also dependent for our happiness on the broader society and on the goods of fortune, as I've, as I've said. So we've got to be very careful to avoid tribalism and parochialism. We can't narrow our interests and focus them only on issues affecting our family or 
uh, people of our own racial or socioeconomic class. We must promote what's called solidarity between all members of society. St. John Paul II famously said when writing about solidarity, we are all really responsible for all. We are all really responsible for all. Now, speaking about the goods of fortune, very important issue. Sometimes bad things happen to us and it's our fault. But sometimes bad things happen to us and it's not our fault. It's just bad luck. It's an issue of fortune. We all receive good things from fortune and we all receive bad things from fortune. And the more fortunate in society have an obligation to take care of the less fortunate. Therefore, we must care about the plight of the poor, the underprivileged, the marginalized, those who have less options and opportunities in life. We must work to ensure that all have equal access to a basic level of nutrition, housing, education, employment, and health care. Free market competition often distributes economic resources and rewards better than the wisest human planning could. However, free market competition has its limits. When free market competition turns into greed and selfishness, it becomes bad for everybody. Think of big businesses crushing little businesses. Think of corporations sending their manufacturing overseas, taking away jobs from the working class and exploiting the poor in developing countries. Think of wealthy businessmen using their money to manipulate the media and to line the pockets of politicians. If we were just animals and we operated by instinct, we wouldn't need to think about large-scale economic organization. But we're not merely animals. We're human beings, and we realize our potentials consciously and freely. So we need to exercise the virtue of prudence when deciding on how to guide and regulate the economy. And this is a cooperative endeavor. We have to cooperate and not compete against each other in regards to how we organize the economy. Within that plan of organization, there is competition, And it's very helpful. Yet, analogously, we should think of it more like a sports game and not like the law of the jungle. Okay? So it's not about survival of the fitness. It's more like the kind of competition we see in sports, where fair play and sportsmanship are essential and where referees are needed to make sure the rules are followed. Healthy economic competition is a competition that at some point does come to an end and is followed by all involved shaking hands and remembering that all are really on the same side fighting together against the selfishness and the stupidity that can be found in all of us. Yes, it's alongside of each other that we fight, not against each other. And what we're fighting for together is what St. John Paul II called a civilization of love, where the goodness of God fills the whole earth and where all of God's children can find a place to belong, especially the weak and the least fortunate among us. 
My brothers and sisters, I've given a very brief description of Catholic social thought, and we can easily recognize in it some things emphasized by the political left and some things emphasized by the political right. And yet, it's a wonderfully cohesive vision that transcends both left and right. Therefore, we as Catholics can set aside factionalism and be a force for calm, reasoned communication, cooperation, and unity. We are Catholics first, and only then members of a certain political party, and we are called to bring to our beloved country and to the world not anger, enmity, and hatred, but brotherhood, love, and unity.